0: We're going to continue. I started last week teaching on uh, divine assistance, talking about the work of angels. And, uh, you know, and I think this is important. One of the things that, uh, you know, that's important about just the work of angels is to properly understand their work, what they do, what they don't do, some of those types of things. I think that's important. But I also know, um, you know, that even as uh, we'll teach on it, you know, it's not a subject that many times people even touch or really, I mean, everybody believes in angels and sometimes people would rather you not talk about supernatural things, but yet we serve a supernatural God and angels are real and they do serve a function in our life. And so I want to look at some things tonight with you and kind of pick up uh, where we left off last week. So, um, you know, uh, in uh, Psalms 103 verse 20, I'm going to read this out of the New King James version because it, it says it a certain way that I like the way that it words it. And uh, it it says this, it says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. And and, and here it talks, it really gives us two things. Number one, and this is what I like, is where it says that angels excel in strength. You know, these aren't uh, like what we see in, ca- in uh, cartoons or characteristics, a little fat baby sitting on a cloud somewhere with a bone, you know, kind of get the Cupid idea. That that is not really what biblical angels, what we see anywhere. Uh, many times the response to an angel throughout Scripture is that people are afraid, probably because they are physically imposing to look at. And yet they always say, Fear not. Uh, you know, that's always their instruction to those that they uh, encounter. And just because we, uh, and we looked at this last week, we looked at it even in Hebrews where it talks about uh, being generous, opening up, you know, your home and your life to people. And it says because some have even entertained angels not even being aware. And so just because we're not aware that angels are at work or even that they're around doesn't mean that they're not. I would say that it's the exception, not the norm, that angels appear. I mean, just in my own experience, I've actually never physically seen an angel. Uh, But yet, I know that there have been times, I shared several examples last week, where I know that uh, angelic ability and and work was happening that kept me safe and protected me at different times in my life now did i see an angel no but do i know that they were at work absolutely and um, you know and even here it says that they excel in strength and it says that they go about doing god's word or god's instructions in other words they go about carrying out and doing what god wants and so the bible actually gives us instructions where it says that the lord actually sends angels out to do his bidding or to do his pleasure so he says hey go do this and take this there and and I believe even scripturally we can see where they bring many things to us. The Bible says in Hebrews that they are ministers to the heirs of salvation. In other words, they are actually one of their functions, one of their functions is to minister to us. And we're going to look at a few places here tonight um, in this, but over in Hebrews, and, and this is where that scripture actually comes from, is Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. It says, "...are not all angels ministering spirits?" That were sent forth to for us as heirs of salvation. In other words, they're here for our assistance. They're here for our help. They're here for our support and our aid. And so, um, I'm going to give you just a couple of things here that we can see. And then I'll give you a couple of examples of these throughout Scripture. Is that angels do several things that we can see throughout Scripture. Number one, they reveal things. They also give warnings. and They give instructions. Uh, another thing that they do is they protect, they deliver, and they even bring provision. We see this, you know... And these are multiple, you know, there's even more than this, but these are a few things. And, you know, and even in Psalms 34 verse 7, it talks about this. It says, the angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him, and he delivers them. Now, here's the key, is that if we want to have angels at work in our life, what does that require? Well, according to Psalms 37 4, it requires that we walk in the fear of the Lord. That we walk in light of Scripture, that we have understanding. And there are other things, and we're going to look at some things here, that actually can really activate the work of angels in our life, but there are also things that we can do that can stop the work of angels in our life. It's not that they're not willing, but it's that we actually have uh, authority over our life. You know, And just as God won't overtake us and do something or cause us to do something that we don't want to do, angels won't either. And, uh, you know, and you can always tell, and we'll look at some of this tonight, but one of the differences, because we live uh, in a world where people get confused, especially when you start talking about angels and demons, and then people get confused saying, well, you know, somebody appeared to me, and they said this, and it's like, well, does that line up with Scripture, though? Like, that's important, and uh, because, uh, you know, and and so we're going to look at some of that tonight, but let me give you a couple of examples of these. Uh, And we see this in the life of Jesus, but you see it throughout Scripture. There were angels from Genesis all the way through till Revelations, angels are talked about. There's over 300 references to uh, angels throughout Scripture, and uh, so it's obviously a topic that's hit on a lot. Uh, even the Garden of Eden, many of us know that that God stationed an angel at the gate and said, "No one's walking in this place." Like when He shut down and, and reserved Eden, if you want to say it that way, He put an angel there to guard it. I mean, when you look at the the grave when Jesus rose from the dead, who went and opened the tomb? It was an angel. You know, I I believe it was an angel who actually caused him to come alive even in that tomb. You know, I I mean, because we can see this throughout Scripture. But even in the birth of Jesus, we see it in the life of Joseph. Even in the life of Mary, there was a lot of angelic activity in that moment. But what happens is is that obviously Mary is pregnant with something that's been conceived uh, by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph says, hey, you know, he wants to do a righteous thing. So he said, I'm just going to put her away quietly. In other words, I'm not going to make a public scene of her. And yet an angel shows up and says, hey, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. The thing that is in her is conceived of the Lord. So he has a divine instruction and a revelation here in this moment that, hey, Mary's not been running around with some other guy, but God is actually at work. And this thing is holy and it's something that God is doing in her. So Joseph, don't be afraid to step out and to take her as your wife. Of course, Jesus is born and the instruction comes from an angel again and says, hey, you need to flee to Egypt. And he says, stay in Egypt until I tell you. Why? Because Herod wanted to kill the Messiah. He, you know, he, he knew and was, felt threatened and so he wanted to kill the Messiah. He didn't know who it was. So they fled to Egypt by the instruction of an angel. They're in, in Egypt for two years and then an angel comes back to Joseph and says, Hey, it's time to go back to Israel. The one who wanted to kill the Messiah is now dead and now it's safe to return. Well, that was all done by an angel. Now, you know, and we're looking at a few things here shortly, but we don't worship angels, we don't seek angels, we don't do all... I mean, you know, it's not... And I'll give you an example of how I think can help you with this here shortly. But here's another example, and we even see it, you see it much in the book of Daniel... Uh, where Daniel, uh, you know, was divinely protected by angels and they would talk to him. And we'll look at a verse here in a little while about that. But here's another example and, and even there's an, uh, another example with Daniel where an angel actually came and the Bible says that it nudged him. And even as he began to speak to him as the angel spoke that uh, Daniel received strength. And so even their presence uh, will do things for us. But uh, even in the life of Jesus, who was full of the Holy Spirit, still needed the divine impartation in the work of angels in his life. Uh, Right after in Luke 4, it talks about him going into the wilderness. And it says that for 40 days he was tempted and tried of the devil, and yet he was without sin. And after those 40 days, it says that angels came and ministered, Strength unto Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the same thing. Jesus prays and, and is seeking the Lord. And it says after that, that the angels came and he received power and strength from them. I actually taught on this not too long ago. But Jesus walked into that garden one way, but he walked out different. Well, what was the difference? It was the arrival of an angel that made the difference. Jesus came in there and the Bible says that he was exceedingly sorrowful to the point of death. And yet when he walked out, the power of God that was on him was so strong that when they said... When he asked, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus. He says, I'm he. And they were all overcome by the power of God. Why? Because an angel had shown up. And and so even when we properly understand who angels are and what they desire to do... And those are just a few examples. We'll look at several others here as we uh, go through this tonight. But uh, when we understand really what they are and who they are, they are spirit beings... They're created spirit beings. So, I mean, the Bible talks about this, and we may get into this in the future weeks, but um, as we kind of walk through this, we'll just see where all we get into. But uh, they are created beings. They, you know, I mean, the Bible says that God created them for ministry in heaven, but also for ministry here on earth. And so I want to show you an example uh, in the book of Acts. There's, you actually see a lot of angelic activity throughout the book of Acts. And, uh, but I want to give you a couple of specific examples here. And so in Acts chapter 12, <clears throat> before I get into those, let me read you the verses. Um, well, just I'm going to start in verse 5. Peter was thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. And it says in verse 5, but the church prayed earnestly for him. So that's important. You know, how do you activate angels? One of the ways that we can do that is through prayer. But just like prayer of any kind, it needs to be prayer based on the Word of God, right? And we'll look at some of these things here in a few minutes. But in verse 6, it says, uh, The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. It says, Others uh, stood guard at the prison gate. So, let's just say it this way, is that Peter is in maximum security prison. Like they didn't just put him in a jail cell. They've got two guards on either side of him and he's chained to the wall. And then they've got somebody just outside the gate. I mean, I don't know how many of you have ever visited a prison, you know, but you walk in one door and it closes behind you and locks before the next door opens. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of the picture that I get is that they are like, nothing is going to happen to Peter. We're going to make sure that he gets his appointment in the morning. And so, uh, it says in verse 7, it says, Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. It says, the angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrist. It says, then the angel told him, it says, Get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. He says, Now put on your coat and follow me. Now, here's the interesting thing to me about this. Peter gets woken up by an angel in the room, and yet there's two guards on either side of him, completely asleep just not, have, have no idea, no one else around, apparently, from what we can read, has any understanding that the angel walks in and even has to wake up Peter. Has to shake him a little bit and says, hey, get up, put your shoes on, put your clothes on. He says, and follow me. He says, in verse 9, so Peter left the cell following the angel. He says, at that time, or all the time, he thought it was a vision. So even Peter thinks he's having a dream. He, like, doesn't realize that this is actually really happening and this actually somewhat uh, ties in with what it says there in Hebrews, is that, hey, we can actually have angelic ability happening around us and not even recognize that it's really the work of an angel. We could be completely oblivious to the fact that God is working supernaturally in a moment. You know, and I, told you, I gave the story last week about uh, when my mom was a child that she had fell out of a car going down the interstate, and uh, long story short, a man had come and had driven them to the hospital. And helped my mom get my, or helped my grandmother get my mom into the car and drove them to the hospital. And when my grandmother came out to thank the man, they said, there was nobody with you. Well, where did the man come from? You know, I mean, the only answer was that, hey, there was an angel. Because there were people who met them at the car. And my grandmother was like, I didn't drive here. Somebody else drove my car here. You know, well, how do you explain that? Well, that's a supernatural working. You know, and those things still happen. Uh, you know, I mean, they really do still happen to still go on and and so even here peter doesn't isn't even fully aware that he thinks he's just having a dream, he thinks it's just a vision he he's hoping that his nightmare of being locked up in that cell is over, but just thinking, well, this is a good dream. it says in verse 10, it says they passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city and it opened all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street and then suddenly the angel left him. So all of a sudden, one moment Peter thinks he's having a dream. He's locked up in prison. He's got guards all around him. They've got him on full on overnight watch, maximum security. Peter thinks he's having a dream until the angel disappears and he's standing on the street by himself. He's thinking, what just happened? I like how it says in verse 11 that Peter came to his senses and says, it's really true. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. They were actually going to execute Peter. Was the plan for him in this moment, and yet God spares him and saves him. it. Says uh, when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of uh, John Mark, where uh, many were gathered for prayer. It says he knocked at the door, or, or knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. That instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Steep Peter is standing at the door. So this young girl goes out there and hears his voice and gets excited and runs back inside and doesn't even open the door for him. Verse 15 says um, that everyone responds and says, you're out of your mind. Uh, When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. So obviously the early church had a teaching and an understanding of angelic activity, probably even much more than what we even perceive or understand today because that was their default go to. Like that's not Peter, that's his angel. That's not really my first thought today in my life. And yet and so it says uh, in verse sixteen it says, Meanwhile Peter continued knocking. It says when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. It says he motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. He says, Tell James and my, and my other brothers what had happened and it says, and then he went to another place. It says, at dawn there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. I mean, can you imagine? You wake up one morning and the guy that's supposed to be chained up to the wall next to you is just not there. And there's this great commotion because everybody knew that he'd been locked up. And now he's just not there. Well, what happened? What happened? Now, I think it's interesting, too, that one of the things that we can see here, and this is just the supernatural work, really, what I see is deliverance of angels, and their delivering powers. When the angel began to speak, and his appearance was known, what happened? The chains just began to fall off. Doors just began to open. He didn't take the chains off of Peter. He didn't open the doors. He just, as he walked, the things just began to supernaturally transpire. You know, and that's part of why? Because he was on assignment. He had an assignment from the Lord to go and to uh, help Peter in this moment. And so, but one of the things that we can see uh, in this is what brought this about is that people were praying. It says that the church earnestly prayed that God would work and would spare and save Peter. And an angel came and did exactly what they were praying for. While they prayed, an angel did the work. And see, even for us, that's true, is that our responsibility is to stand upon the Word of God, to believe the Word of God, and allow uh, our angelic help to work for us. You know, and so it's important that we understand this. This isn't the first time uh, that something like this had even happened. Uh, You know, over in Acts 5, we see again where uh, Peter was thrown in jail, and yet... He got out. So he's an escape artist. Now, this was in Acts chapter 5. It was actually earlier. So this is probably why he was kind of locked down in maximum security. Because they know we've had this guy locked up before and he got away. So this time we're going to make sure that he's not going to get away. And so, you know, and we can see this throughout Scripture. The work of angels in our life and, and really what they are uh, supposed to do and function as. In Exodus chapter 23, there's a little portion of Scripture, but... Uh, I like the way that, it, that the instructions that are given, but it's in Exodus 23 verse 20. God speaking to the children of Israel says, See, I am sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey, journey and lead you, to, lead you safely to the place that I have prepared for you. That even angels will prepare a way and it says in verse 21, it says, Pay close attention to him and obey his instructions. Do not rebel against him for he is my representative and he will not forgive your rebellion. It says, but if you carefully or if you are careful to obey him, follow all of his instructions, then I will be uh, an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, so that you may live there, and I will destroy them completely. You know, now, I understand even as New Testament believers, you know, new covenant people, you may say, well, angels don't really talk to us. I thought that's why we have the Holy Spirit. It's not either or, it's both. You know, and I don't have a definitive answer on this, but I'll just tell you my own personal thought. On this, is it many times, like people talk about hearing the audible voice of God. I believe that's the voice of angels that are speaking to us. You know, it's not because sometimes we'll say, well, that's the Holy Spirit speaking. I don't, scripturally, I don't see where the Holy Spirit ever audibly spoke to anybody. But I do see where angels spoke and they heard. You know, now, I can only say of one time in my life that I believe that I've ever heard the audible voice of what I would consider the voice of the Lord. I mean, I was, you know, pretty young in the faith and really newly um, I hadn't been walking with the Lord very long. And I thought, well, people say they hear the voice of God. I want to hear the voice of God. And um, I won't go into the details of it, but one time was enough for me. And, uh, you know, it was a powerful moment. But yet, uh, you know, and, but did God himself speak? Well, I don't know. Was it an angel? I don't know. I mean, nobody was in the room with me. And all it was was I actually heard my name. He called me by name multiple times. He said, David, David. And I was just like, oh, man. Like, I mean, just an an instant... I mean, like, what the Bible talks about, a fear of the Lord. Like, I wasn't afraid, but I was humbled in that moment. It was like something is much greater than me in this moment. And, um, you know, and and so... But, uh, you know, so there are things that we can do, though. And, And so number one is that, yeah, I mean, the angels move in prayer. When we pray... The angels begin to work. I also believe that even as we worship, worship is a form of prayer. Even as we uh, corporately are in times of worship, the Bible says that uh, God's presence, every time that we come together, I believe there's angels here. Why? Because we have angels that are assigned to us and for us. So if we're here, they're here. It's just logic. And I believe that even in, that there are special times, you know I mean? Have you ever been in a service where it just seems like all of a sudden there's a, a unique healing anointing? Well, do you think the anointing just shows up by itself? Do you think it's just the Holy Spirit always? No, sometimes angels bring healing. Sometimes they move in services. And I, and I shared even last week where I've had instances before, and, and I've even had other, and I've read stories and had people even share with me different times, where, you know, something, you can call it whatever you want, but it's from the Lord. But maybe, you know, uh, with... Tap somebody on the shoulder. Or, I mean, we had somebody here a few weeks ago. Uh, during service, they were telling me about it. They said, during worship, they have some shoulder problems. And they said, all of a sudden, something just was like heat. Right here on the top of their shoulder. Couldn't raise their arm. Couldn't do it. Like, not physically. They got some shoulder problems. They had a lot of surgeries, all this stuff. And he said, it got really warm. And he said, and it was like somebody grabbed my arm and just was holding it up. That's something that he can't do. Well, how do you explain that? I don't have an explanation. Not logically, I don't. Now, scripturally, I do. Well, why? Because angels will bring healing. You know, and so even, uh, you know, and I believe even in times uh, for me, even as a minister, that there are times that there's a unique anointing that comes. Well, it's not something different in me. I'm the same person that I always am. You know, and it even, you know, just even, because I mentioned it, even like the healing anointing. Well, why can't we have the healing anointing all the time? You know, the anointing is always here to heal, yes, but there are special times. Where there's a very special different anointing for healing that comes. And the, and the thing is is that when that moment is there, seemingly anybody can get healed. There's a, and what is it? I believe it's the work of angels. That they're bringing healing to the heirs of salvation. Just as it talks about it. And even as it says here, is that when we would be led or, or when we would pay attention to instructions, even as angels will come, um, then we will be blessed. But he says, hey, don't not listen. Don't pay attention to those things. Or don't not not pay attention to those things. Now, here's uh, another aspect of this is that angels do have limits. There are limits to what they can and can't do. They don't have a mind or a will like we do. Now, I'm not saying that they don't have a will, but it's different than ours. They obviously have to have some degree of a will. Why? Because a third of of angels fell from heaven. So they have to have some semblance. But they are not equal to us. They are not like us. The Bible says that, um, you know, as far as our beings being created, it says we were created in the image of God. It doesn't say that they were. But it does say that we were created a little lower than the angels. Now, what does all that look like? You tell me. Because I'm not certain. You know, I, I mean, but yet we were all, we, us and angels were both created. But there are limits to what angels can and can't do. Let me give you an example of this. In uh, Jude chapter 1, verse 6, it says this. says, I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of the authority that God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. And it said, God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the day of judgment. Now, this is talking about the third of the angels who fell. It says that they did not stay within their limits. That they stepped outside of what their intended purpose was. And because of that, there was fall. Because And we call it the rebellion. The rebellion of the angels created this fall. And what was their rebellion? They didn't stay within what they were called to do. Satan had convinced them to step outside of what they knew. Verse 9 continues... Uh, and gives us another example, and it says, Even Michael, one of the mightiest of angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. says this took place when Michael was arguing over, or with the devil over Moses' body. So even Michael, one of the mightiest of angels, wouldn't even correct the devil. He says, The Lord rebukes you. In other words, Michael understood his authority, knew his role, knew his function, and he was not going to step outside of that role. And so there are limits to what angels can do. They don't, you know, they're not just uh, at our beck and call. They're not a waiter. But the Bible does say, and it's that verse that we first uh, looked at, Psalms 103.20, it says that they hearken unto the voice. Or let me say it this way, is that they're waiting for somebody to begin to, to declare God's word and God's promises over their life so that they can work and bring us what? Our promise. We have, the Bible says, let us not um, lose sight of these great and precious promises. Why? Because they belong to us. They are us as, as heirs of salvation. They, they belong to us. And as we'll stand and continue to stand and to confess the word of God, You know, even the idea of confession, many people don't make the connection between what I'm saying out of my mouth is actually a directive that's actually giving uh, specific instructions to angels. They just think, well, I'm just, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And as I say the Word of God, it builds my faith. And all that's true. But there's even another level beyond that. Because when I begin to declare God's Word, angels are actually waiting, listening for that command, for that instruction for the Word of God. You know, I mean, the Bible... Well, I'm going to say this and I've got to move on. But the Bible talks about, it says that... That God's word will not return to him void. Now think about that. Return. God spoke, but he says when he speaks, it won't return to him void. Well, how do we return God's word to him? We begin to declare God's word. We begin to speak God's word. And it's on that return journey, when the cycle gets completed, that the power is made available and the word comes alive. God's Word, I mean, whether it's on a tablet like this or you've got a Bible or what the Word of God by itself is just words on a page. It's just another book sitting on another shelf. But something happens when the Word of God comes alive in our hearts and faith gets attached to the Word. All of a sudden, something supernatural begins to happen and we can actually begin to really uh, activate angels to be at work for us. You know and so you know I think that that we have to be careful and we have to understand really what the roles of angels are. Because they are a vital part to our life. God has sent them to help us. They have, he sent them to be an assistant, if you will, to us, to help us, to bring about God's purpose in our life. But here's one of the things that um, that I want to touch on for a few minutes is that, um, is that we're really... And you have to be careful because, you know, I mean, I was a youth pastor for years. And uh, people are people, though. But people seek supernatural things. You know, people say, oh, I want to see an angel. I want to see this. If you want to see an angel bad enough, one will show up, but it won't be the one that you're hoping for. And we have to be careful. We're not seeking some supernatural being. We are seeking the Father in heaven. Angels are nothing more than delivery men. And it's important that we understand this. It doesn't matter if I see or even perceive the, the work of an angel. I just want what they produce. I, I want what they do in my life. But I shouldn't seek to see them or to. Why? Because you're going to open up a whole can of worms that you want nothing to do with. You know, I, I, and even in our pursuit of wanting to hear from God, we have to be careful. Angels are real, de- demons are real, yes. But our focus is not to be really on either one. If an angel was to appear to me and start talking, I'm going to listen. But just because I have some supernatural visitation doesn't mean it's even the Lord. And I've got to compare it to the light of Scripture. I mean, even if somebody was... If, you, if I saw somebody just as clearly as you're looking at me right now. That doesn't mean that what they're saying is true and accurate and even of God. Why? Because the Bible talks about... And it even says this over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11... It says that even Satan, uh, verse uh, 14, says, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He says, so it's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wickedness or their wicked deeds deserve. Now, I'll just give you two examples of this, and you can just go look this up for yourself. There are two uh, dominant world religions right now that are based on the appearance of an angel one being Mormonism, Joseph Smith. And one being a uh, Muslim. The prophet Muhammad had an angel appear. Well, they were seeking spiritual answers. Well, the problem was they had sought something in, in a wrong way. And an angel showed up and they never went back to actually scripture to line up. And what happened? An angel of light showed up. An angel disguised as an angel of light, I should say. Showed up and gave them a revelation that was not even in line with scripture. And so now we have a, two dominant world religions that are all based off of an appearance. And, you know, and And I've just been around people enough, and I've dealt with people enough to say, Oh, well, you know, this happened, that happened. Okay, but how does that line up with Scripture? Does that line up with Scripture? I mean, I've had people say, Oh, well, the Lord said this, or the Lord said that. Or, you know, I've even had people say, Well, you know, I, I had a visitation from an angel. And I'm like, Well, that doesn't line up with Scripture. And the thing is, and you have to be cautious and care. I mean, we need to be wise. The Bible says we need to be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Yes. But what? We need to have an understanding of angels and their roles in our life. But we shouldn't be seeking them out. Because somebody's going to show up. But it's probably not going to be an angel of the Lord. And the Bible even says this here. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 8. Uh, It says this, it says, Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us and even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news other than the one that we preach to you. I mean, even the Apostle Paul says, Hey, don't be fooled by even another person or even if an angel shows up preaching a different gospel. We have to be careful. In other words, what he's saying, stick with Scripture. Now, here's an interesting account. I just want to read you a couple verses. Most of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. But in Acts chapter 10, this is the account of Cornelius as he's praying to the Lord. And the Bible says that your prayers, your alms, your giving have come up as a memorial unto the Lord. In verse 3 it says, One afternoon about 3 o'clock that Cornelius has a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming to him. It says, Cornelius, and it says, Cornelius stared at him in terror. It says, what is it, sir? He asked the angel and the angel replied and says, uh, your prayers, your gifts to the poor have been received by God. And he says, now send men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. Says, uh, so even, and what's the whole point of this? I mean, and just think about it. This goes back to the limits and angels haven't. Angels don't preach the gospel. I mean, what, if an angel appears to Cornelius and says, hey, God has heard your prayers, he's seen your giving, and I've come to give you an answer. Jesus is the Messiah. Why, I mean, why wouldn't, wouldn't it have been just as easy for the angel to preach the gospel to, to Cornelius and see his household saved? Sure, it's possible, but angels don't communicate. They're not charged with the discipling of the world. We are. So for them to do our job, I mean, the Bible says, how can one hear unless someone is sin? Unless someone goes to communicate. And even the angel shows up and says, look, you need to hear the gospel, but it's got to come through Peter. And this is where he's staying. Send some guys to go get him. He's going to come back. And we most of you probably know the story. Peter comes back, realizes that God is now wanting to open up salvation beyond just the nation of Israel. And the uh, Gentile world is now open to the gospel to the point that they even received and were astonished that the Gentile, not just salvation, but they were even filled with the Holy Spirit. But yet the angel didn't do that. He just shows up and says, hey, here's the instruction. Go find Peter. Peter's got something to talk to you about. And so we see even in that moment and in that uh, example there, uh, is that angels do have limits. Now I'll say this, uh, you know, just kind of as an illustration to help you. Is that, you know, like when a delivery person shows up, do I fall out or do you fall out over them for bringing a package to you? Are you just like, oh my gosh, you're the greatest person. No, they were just doing their job, right? I mean, most of the time we're thinking, hey, it's about time you got here. Been waiting on you all day. You know, well, why? They're just doing their job. They're doing their function. They didn't produce what they brought. They didn't provide for it. They didn't pay for it. All they're doing is showing up with something that you were had an expectation for. In a way, you can think of angels that same way. You know, there's actually an account even, uh, even in the book of Revelations where it says that John fell before an angel and began to worship him. And he says, hey, stop that. Get up. That's my translation, but that's the gist of it. Why? Because an angel knows and understands, hey, that's not, I'm not worthy of worship. That belongs to the Father and to the Father alone. And so even in that, you know, and many times you can tell. And so even if you had an encounter and you're not sure, is this the Lord? Is this an angel of light? You're not quite sure. Go back to Scripture. One of the things that I would say just in, um, through reading, through many examples throughout Scripture, is that an angel of the Lord is always humble. Always home, and always points and glorifies God anytime that it 's uh, a demonic spirit that 's cloaked it 's not that way at all there 's an agenda there 's a press there 's a push there's it 's different and sometimes you 've got to know it and you 've got to listen to your heart even and to allow your spirit man it 's that whole you know red light green light. I sense in my heart that that doesn 't sense that doesn 't sit right with me well that 's the Holy Spirit, even if you had A supernatural moment. If something doesn't sit quite right with you, go back to scripture. Go find somebody else to talk to. Because angels are sent from God to help us, but yet the enemy will try to use his ability to trick us and to deceive us. And if he can disguise exactly what it says there in Corinthians, if they can disguise themselves, then that's exactly what they'll do. And if that's what we're seeking after, the enemy will prey upon that in our life. And so we're to seek God first above anything else. I'm not seeking angels. I'm not seeking for their help. Now, do I say, I thank you, Lord, that you've given your angels charge over me? Yes. Why? Because that's scriptural. I have guardian angels. You have guardian angels. But I'm not praying to an angel. I'm not worshiping an angel. I'm worshiping God and I'm praying to the Father. And he uses them to bring about his promises in my life. Now, the other side of this is, well, how do you activate angels? And it's really not difficult. I've already touched on it a little bit. But let me give you an example. In uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, an angel speaking to Daniel says, "Um, Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before the Lord your God, your requests um, have been heard in heaven, and I have come in response to your prayer. Now, other translations say it this way. Is it Peter, or I'm sorry, uh, Daniel, I have come because of your words. Daniel, I'm here because you spoke. I'm here because you prayed. And when we begin to declare God's word, and we begin to pray even God's word in our life, angels are listening. They are waiting for that commandment. Why? Because they're waiting for the word of God to return. Why? Because they're waiting to make sure that it does not return void. They're waiting, let me say this, they're waiting to fulfill God's word in our life. But we can't, you know, even what it says over there in James chapter 3, it talks about should there be fresh water and salt water flowing out of the same spring. Let me say it this way, is that there ought to be consistency to our words. Just like I can activate angels, I can also tie their hands with my words. And it's more than just, well, I said one thing the right way one time, but forget about those ten other things that I said the wrong way. I mean, they and when you study this out, it even talks about, um, you know how the Bible talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit? It actually says that we can actually grieve even angels that are sent to help us. Why? By our words. By the abundance of our words. And even here we see this is where, that and, and Daniel had waited 21 days for this angel. Now, you can go read this account, but it says that he was warring in the heavenlies trying to get Daniel's answer to him. So just because you may pray and just because you may be saying the right things and doing the right things and, you know, human nature wants to say, well, this isn't working. Well, you may not perceive or know what's happening, but God's answer is coming. And so our responsibility is to continue to declare God's word over our life. I'll give you an example of this. Uh, and, And, you know, and I believe that confession is important, but it's not just because we're saying things out of ritualistic memory. It's because, I mean, faith is getting stirred, but also it's supernatural in what we're doing. Psalms 91 talks about this. And it says, that it says, I will declare, I will say about the Lord. He is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I will trust in Him. Now, we can take a, a statement and a prayer like that. And I love to take Scripture and prayer throughout Scripture and make it personal. That's like taking the love chapter, First Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Is it, you know... How many of you know which one I'm talking about? I've got our love confession. I am patient. I am kind. It's, easy, it's much easier to say love is patient and love is kind than it is to say I am patient and I am kind and I believe the best of every person and my hopes are faithless under all circumstances. Why? Because it becomes personal. Well, something begins to happen when we begin to confess God's word over our life. But let me give you an example of like a confession. Uh, that would take, that I would take from this is that you could say this is that the Lord is my fortress and the Lord is my refuge, the Lord is my deliverer and he preserves my life and he delivers me from every evil work. You're confessing that over... Now, the key there is, I'm not saying the Lord is going to protect... Or that angels are going to protect me or the angels are going to bring... No, it's the Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my refuge. He's my deliverer. He's the one who preserves me. See, and those are the things that we have to understand... Is that even as we're declaring the word of God over our life... Over our families, over our finances, over our kids... Over our body, over our, uh, even our jobs... And, and then just our world... As we're speaking God's word, what's happening... Hebrews says that that God framed the world with his words. He framed them by the words that he spoke. Well, we frame our life and our world by the words that we speak. Proverbs says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And it says those who love them will eat the fruit of them, whether for good or for bad. And so it matters what we say. Why? Because angels are listening. And the other side of that is, is, so is the demonic realm. That's why it's important what we say. I thank you that I'm the healed of the Lord, that my strength is renewed, that Jesus took stripes upon his back so that I could be made whole and well. Now, I'm not denying, a, you know, I uh, always try to add this just so that because I, I want to make sure that I'm communicating clearly. I'm not denying symptoms in my body. If I've got a sore throat, how do you feel? kind of crummy my throat hurts but the lord is at work for me i'm not going to allow the abundance of what i say to be man i just i just can't get over this my sinuses i just keep fighting i just i guess i'm just going to have this the rest of my life you will why because you've opened the door to the enemy to come into that area of your life but if you'll begin to declare God's word, not only are you at work, not only is it your faith that's being grown because of the word of God that you're, you know, I mean, uh, Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yes, but not only that, but you're actually activating angels by declaring God's word. They are waiting, and, you know, and even, and I shared this last week, but that verse there in Psalms 103, it's, it actually gives the idea of, of a sprinter in the starting blocks ready to run a race waiting for the gun to go off. Angels are waiting for the command of God to come. Why? Because they are wanting to bring about God's promises in our life. And so we do that by declaring God's word over our life. This verse uh, in Psalms 141 verse 3 says this. It says, uh, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. The New King James says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. Psalm 17 verse 3 says, you have tested my heart and you have visited me in the night. It says, you have tried me and found and have found nothing. I have purpose that I shall not, or that my mouth shall not transgress. Like, well, what does that say? I will not sin by the words that come out of my mouth. I'm not going to talk in disagreement with the word of God. Why? Because there is a supernatural realm that are listening for our words. It's more than just saying the right things. It's about us having faith but realizing that our words are creative. They have creative power. God framed the world with his words. Well, so do we. I'm just never going to be able to catch up on my bills. You keep saying that and guess what? You just to keep having bills. Or you can begin to declare God's word. My God supplies all of my needs according to his ability, his riches, his glory, not mine. I thank you, God, that I have a supply in heaven. That I'm a faithful uh, sower and I give and I'm generous. And I thank you because of my generosity, you're going to provide all of my needs. Now, the hows and the winds and the where's and all the details, I ain't got a clue. But this is what I know. I'm going to continue to stand and declare God's word over my life. Why? Because there are supernatural forces at work that are beyond just my ability. And my angels, I I, I want to give them work to do. I don't want to have lazy angels that are just waiting for me to give them something. to. I want mine being busy. I want to be declaring God's word over my life continually. I thank you that I have peace in my mind, in my heart, in every part of my life. I declare this in Jesus' name. Why? I don't want to hinder the work of my angels. If the devil comes, I want to give my angels weaponry to actually fight. Just as it happened there with Daniel. He says, hey, from the moment you pray, Daniel, we've been warring with the prince of, of, of Persia. But I've overcome him. And now I'm here to give you your answer. See, we have divine assistance. God has not left us to ourself. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. And, and hopefully... We have an understanding, but we, God didn't just stop there. Jesus had the Holy Spirit too, but he also had the, the ministry and the help of angels in his life. If Jesus needed it being perfect, do we need the Holy Spirit? Yeah. If Jesus being perfect still needed the ministry of angels, do we need the ministry of angels? Yes. Absolutely. And it doesn't diminish the work of the Holy Spirit... To say that we need angels. This is, you know, and this is just kind of the way that I, I kind of view it in my mind. Is that the Holy Spirit works on the inside of me. Angels do work on the outside of me. We don't see anywhere throughout scripture where the Holy Spirit is aggressive. Or warring of any kind. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Yes, but he's also living on the inside of us. But yet we do have divine help and divine assistance that would fight for us and support us and bring us strength. you're like, well, you know, and if you're like me and you kind of are analytical, you're like, well, who's doing what? Here's my answer. The Holy Spirit's working on the inside of you. Here's another thing. I've never seen in Scripture yet that I can find where an angel brought conviction. They bring a word from the Lord. Now they may bring, hey, if you don't do something, judgment's coming. That's not really conviction, but yet the Holy Spirit convicts. Angels don't bring conviction, but the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit does work in our hearts and in our lives. But yet I've never seen in Scripture either where the Holy Spirit protected somebody. But yet I see angels protecting people time and time again. And so it's their function, it's their role. But when we understand what we're doing, even as we're declaring God's word over our life, is that I'm keeping my angels, I'm giving them, let me say it this way, I'm giving them weaponry to fight on my behalf. I mean, the Bible is very clear. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers, right? That's what the Bible says. But does that mean that we're supposed to now take up a spiritual fight? What does the Bible say? He says, hey, we're not trying to fight a physical fight. But yet I can stand upon God's word and I can activate my angels to go to work and to fight on my behalf. And when I can do that, I'll see God do supernatural things in my life. And it'll be like what you see in the Old Testament. Hey, we got an enemy coming. And then next thing you know, angels show up and completely obliterate. There was no fight. The only fight or the only struggle, I'll say it this way, was picking up the spoils of a battle that the children of Israel didn't even fight. That should be uh, really a type of us. We don't have to fight the battles, but we do get to enjoy the blessings and the benefits that come from them. Why? Because we have angels at work for us and in our life. Amen. Well, stand up with me.